Uh, my name is Stuart Mazell. I am the lead pastor here, and it's great to see all of you here. Great to have those of you who are joining us online. Um, and, and I want to give just a moment of thanks to all you who have been asking uh, about my welfare. Um, I, as you can tell, I got this new accessory that is um, slowing me down a little bit, but not keeping me completely down and out. Uh, supposedly no breakage, just a really bad sprain, um, but very thankful, very thankful because it could have been a lot worse. And now there's two of us in the family that have uh, accessories. Maybe we'll start a trend, I don't know. Last week we began a series that we've entitled Rest in a Restless World. And we addressed the issue of how all of us are restless in some way and we continue to go and go and go and we need real rest. And Jesus offers us rest in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, those of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we need to believe those words and come to Jesus. Today we're going to kind of do part two of that message, only we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. If you've been in the church, you've heard this passage before. If you've been in the church for a while, you know about Mary, you know about Martha. If you haven't been in the church and this is a new story to you, this will be great for you to hear. And no matter where you are on that spectrum, let's recognize that this is not just words written down. This is the word of God that he has given to us for our good. So, so let's listen to what he has to say. This is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they, that's Jesus and his disciples, went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, please give us insight today, not just that we will understand what you are saying to the church, but that we will receive it and we will live it out because it is good for us and it honors our one true God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so, Jesus, be the one to preach to us today, even to me. Amen. 
know, this is killing me, how slow I'm going. I'm a fast walker. I was just telling someone earlier before the service that I, I hate getting behind slow walkers. Just absolutely hate it, and now I'm that slow walker. So when you get behind me and I'm walking slow, just do beep, beep, and just move on by. Uh, how many of you know the name Blaise Pascal? Okay, there are a few of us that know. Yeah, he was a uh, 17th century French uh, philosopher, mathematician, scientist, inventor, theologian. He was kind of a little bit of a jack of all trades, it seems. If you, if you don't know the name Blaise Pascal, you may have heard of Pascal's Wager. Pascal's Wager is basically this. If God exists, and I believe in God, the result would be infinitely good for me. If God exists and I don't believe in God, the result would be infinitely bad for me. If God does not exist, then whether I believe in him or not, whatever gain or whatever loss I, I have or I experience, that would be finite. So with finiteness about what I would lose and I have much more to gain, it makes more sense for me to believe in God than to not believe in God. That's Pascal's wager in a nutshell. Now, I'm not going to talk about that today. The reason I'm bringing up Pascal today is because of this great quote from a book that he wrote. Here's the quote. All the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact, that they cannot stay quietly in their own chamber. Now, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but there is some truth to it. All the unhappiness of men, of human beings, stems from the inability, basically, to sit quietly by yourself in a room. Think about it. What do you do when you are alone in a room? When you have some downtime? Turn on the TV. Listen to music. Scroll through Facebook. Instagram, TikTok, play games. Now, don't hear something that I'm not saying. I'm not saying that any of those things are necessarily wrong or necessarily bad for us. I'm not even saying that we can't do those things in any way, but all of them are fine to enjoy in limited doses. But when we find that all of our downtime, all of our alone time is occupied by these activities, that's a symptom that something is amiss. It may be that we're afraid of being alone with our own thoughts. Or even worse, it may be that we cannot be still and know that God is God. Now, some of you may say, but Stuart, you don't understand. Watching TV or playing games or whatever it may be, that's how I relax, that's how I rest. And isn't that what this series is about? Rest. And I would say, think about it just for a moment. Maybe those activities are not restful 
as much as you think they are. Maybe they're more of a distraction from real rest. In an article entitled, Rest Versus Distraction, Cultivating Presence, Tara Bruce writes, the real difference between rest and distraction is that rest brings refreshment and rejuvenation and more energy after the activity and distraction provides no new life, just a cerebral escape from your current reality. Distractions are ways to numb your overactive mind. Everyone needs a little escape sometimes, but this type of escape isn't restorative. So so here's the issue. If you are scrolling through whatever social media platform you have, or playing a video game, or watching TV, when you're done with that, do you feel refreshed? Do you feel restored? Do you have more energy? Or is the opposite true? And if the opposite is true, I would say that those things are not really restful. They're a distraction from what real rest could be. Look, I get it. We live in a society, in a world, in a culture where there, is, there are problems all the time. Flip on the news and it's almost all bad. Get on the internet and it's almost all bad. Talk to your friends and if you talk long enough, every single person has a story of something they're going through that is not pleasant. And so sometimes we want to tune out. We want to distract ourselves from those things. And so we go to video games. We go to social media. We go to TV. We go to whatever it might be that gets our mind off of it. And again, it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing to escape for a few minutes. But if that's all we're doing, we're not really getting rest. And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we get rest? when there are troubles that worry us, when there are so many things around that can distract us. Here's the main point of this passage today. Jesus offers us rest from the many distractions that trouble and worry us. That's what we're going to talk about today, that Jesus offers us rest from the many distractions that trouble and worry us. Let's take a look at this passage, starting in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, this is again Jesus and his disciples, they enter a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Good job, Martha. You're showing hospitality. That's what we're supposed to do. So she welcomes him into her home. And she has a sister named Mary, And Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, obviously, in this text, we see a contrast between Mary and Martha. And unfortunately, a lot of times, pastors, 
I think unwittingly, make this contrast about their personalities. You know, Martha is a type A go-getter. Mary is a type B hippie. But that's not the case. Not necessarily, I mean, maybe she was a hippie. I don't know. But what we do know is that it's not about their personality. Jesus doesn't say, Martha, you need to change your personality. And and it's not about that Martha was a work-behind-the-scenes servant while Mary was let's-just-hang-out type. The contrast is not about serving versus relationship. The contrast is between being distracted from Jesus and being present with Jesus. Do you see that? And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Think about this. Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, right? The King of kings and the Lord of lords, God in the flesh was in Martha's house and she was distracted by trying to make sure that everything was just right. So, verse 40, she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now, first of all, why didn't Martha go, you know what? I do need help. But let me just ask Mary, could she help me? Instead, she goes around Mary to get to Jesus, to make Jesus tell Mary to do something, which already shows something is amiss. And second, instead of going, you know what? I should be spending time with my guest. She's busy running around with the pots and pans or whatever it is and not really paying attention to what Jesus is saying. Jesus answers her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I love this about Jesus. He doesn't scold her. He doesn't come at her and say, you should be listening to me. And what he does is he says, Martha, you've got a lot on your plate. You're really worried and anxious about some things. Maybe you're even worried and anxious about like, how we're going to eat or what we're going to eat, or whether I'm happy being in your home. Maybe you're worried and concerned about so many things, but here's the thing, you're distracted from me because you're worried about those things. You're troubled by those things. Don't let the worries and the troubles distract you. Be with me. I'm here in your home. Spend some time with me. Martha was busy doing stuff 
but she was missing out on Jesus' offer. And let me just remind you what Jesus' offer is from last week, from Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That goes for you too, Martha. That goes for us, church. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Listen to me. That's what Mary's doing. She's listening. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you were to ask whose burden at that moment was the heaviest, it wasn't Mary's, it was Martha's. Because she was distracted from Jesus by much serving. Now I'm going to say something that is going to blow some of your minds. And some of you are going to say, it's about time you said that, Stuart. But here it is. Listen carefully. Being still to listen to Jesus is more important than anything else we can do. Let me say that again, because we all, I, need to hear this. Being still to listen to Jesus is more important than anything else we can do. As I say that, I am feeling that there are, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm like one of those, you know, uh, TV pastors that goes, I sense the Spirit telling me something. I'm not saying that. But I am sensing that there, is probably, there are probably a few of you who are like, uh-uh, that's not right. No, no, no. I can think of several things that are more important than being still and listening to Jesus. Don't just take it from me. Listen to what Jesus says, right? Verse 41, the Lord answers Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One. One thing. If there is, if you have a list of all these things that could be done, there's only one of them that is absolutely necessary. What is it? Verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Slowing down enough to listen to Jesus, to listen to what he has to say, to take his words in ourselves, that is more important than anything else. Jesus' words are life. Jesus' words are the most important words we will ever hear. And, and again, I know some of you are thinking, but Stuart, what about serving Jesus? What about kingdom work? That's more important than listening to Jesus, isn't it? 
I mean, listening to Jesus, you're not accomplishing anything, but going out and doing kingdom work, you're doing good things. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Who was she serving? She was serving Jesus. And Jesus calls her on it and says, you know what? Serving me is a good thing, but there's something that's better, something that's actually more important, something that is more necessary. Listening to me. Being with me and listening to me. Years ago, I read this quote from Oswald Chambers, and I'm going to share it with you, and then I'm going to give you a little testimony. Oswald Chambers, in My Utmost for His Highest, wrote this. The greatest competitor of devotion to Jesus is service for him. And I remember reading those words and thinking, Oh Lord, that's me. And I struggle with that every single day. When I have the choice, confession is good for the soul. When I have a choice between doing something and sitting and listening, which one do you think that I'm going to choose? I just confess that I'm a type A, like I like to walk fast type of person. a long time to get this drilled into my head and as soon as it gets drilled in, it gets filled in with something else. So you can pray for me as your pastor because this is the thing that hits me the hardest about this passage. Serving Jesus is good, but if serving Jesus is competing with devotion to Jesus, if serving Jesus is competing with listening to Jesus, if serving Jesus is keeping me from Jesus, something is amiss. And it needs to be addressed. I was at my house yesterday crying in my backyard thinking about this sermon and thinking about a, a song I was listening to about pride, about how prideful I can be. And that pride shows up in this area. Jesus needs me. Not Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, but Jesus obviously needs me to get his work done. So I better get on it. You hear how prideful that is? Jesus didn't say, and Stuart Mazel is going to build my church. And he said, I will build my church. Yeah, I'll use you, but you know what? You might just be a nail or you might be the hammer, or you might be the wood, but I'm the one who builds, not you.
reminds me, uh, Nathan preached on John 15 a few weeks ago, and, and I just want to repeat this because I feel like I'm not the only one dealing with this. I'm not the only one who struggles with this. I'm not the only one who, if I have a choice between doing something and listening to Jesus, doing almost always seems more important. Jesus says, this is Jesus, not Stuart, not Westminster, Jesus. And he says in John 15, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. How often, Lord, have I thought I can bear fruit by myself? Forgive me. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That last phrase, I don't think we believe. For apart from abiding in Jesus, I can do nothing. Mary was abiding in Jesus. She was sitting at his feet. She was listening to what he had to say. She was taking it all in. And Martha was over there serving her tail off for Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say, Mary, you need to get up and serve. He says, Martha, you need to slow down and figure out what your priorities are. What's more important, me or service to me? Church, don't miss this. I'm going to press hard on this one because I think this is one of those things that we all get backwards so, so often. When we replace devotion to Jesus, when we replace spending time with Jesus, when we replace listening to Jesus with service for Jesus, that is making service for Jesus an idol. And that is not what Jesus calls us to do. Yes, we are to serve Jesus, but only after we have spent time with him. As J.C. Ryle in his expository thoughts on the gospel says, to abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant, close communion with him. Constant, close communion. That's not a five-minute little devotion book. To be always leaning on him. Not just a quiet time in the morning, always leaning on him resting on Him, pouring out our hearts to Him, using Him as the fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend, to have His words abiding in us, to listen to Him, is to keep His sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds to make them the guide for our actions 
and the rule of our daily conduct and behavior. It's not getting lost in YouTubeville. It's not going down the Facebook rabbit trail. It's not even reading a good book on theology because I need to have my theology straight. It's spending time with Jesus. And here's where the best news of all comes to fruition. Because connecting with Jesus is the good portion that will never be taken away from us. Connecting with Jesus, it's not some chore. It's not something like, oh, I have to spend time with Jesus again today. No, connecting with Jesus is the good portion. It's the best part of the meal. It's the best thing we can do every day. And when we do it, it will never be taken away from us. Verse 42, Jesus' words. Mary has chosen the good portion. Oh, Martha, you're over there making lots of portions to eat. And there's some yummy food that you're giving. But Mary's chosen the good portion. The best portion. She's chosen that, that prime rib. Not the, you know, sirloin that's just dry and, you know, cook, overcooked. No, she's got that juicy, feel your mouth watering yet? That juicy prime rib that just melts in your mouth. That's the portion that spending time with Jesus is. Because Jesus has promised all that the Father gives me, this is John 3, 6, uh, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. You know what? There are times when we serve the church, and the church looks at us and says, that's not enough. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Wear it around a lot. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, you come to me, I'm not casting you out. I'm not sending you away. I'm not telling you that you have done a terrible job serving me. Come to me for more energy. Come to me for rest. Come to me for what you really need and you abide in me and then you'll go back out and you'll serve like you've never served before. And then you come back again and again and again because it's about the relationship. And Jesus says, I'm never, ever, ever going to cast you away if you come to me. I don't have many friends that I can say that about. That's not a slam on my friends, by the way. That's just in comparison with Jesus. Think about what Paul says in Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that for a moment. Nothing in all creation. The only thing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus 
is something that is outside of creation. And the only thing that is outside of creation is God himself. And so when we come to Jesus, when we come to him and we say, I want to abide in you, I want to spend time with you, I want to lean on you, I want you to bear fruit through me, I want your life flowing through my veins, I want you more than anything else, you are the one thing that is necessary when we're like that, Jesus will never, ever say, "Mm -mm, no. No, I got somebody else in mind I'd rather spend time with. And even if you don't come with, to him like that, however we come to us, come to him, Jesus is going to meet us where we are. I said it last week, I'll say it again. A bruised reed he will not break. If I come to Jesus like I did yesterday and I say, Jesus, forgive me. I am so sorry that I put service to you above devotion to you. I am so sorry that I am so full of pride that all I can think about is how I can serve you rather than resting in you. And I'm doing this sermon series on rest. What's wrong with me? And Jesus accepts where I am. Not that he wants me to stay there. Oh no, no, no. But he accepts. Okay, Stuart, I know. I know better than you do. I've been watching you for a long time. I know exactly what's in your heart. I know everything that's going on. I know it better than you do. And I know that probably next week you'll be right back in the same boat. But I love you. And I'm with you for the long haul. Just keep coming back to me. Yeah, you're going to mess up. Keep coming back to me. I paid for your sin at the cross. I took all of your sin, all of the wrong things that you think, you say, you do. I took all of that on the cross. And I took the penalty. I took the payment. And then I rose from the dead to give you new life. And not just you, but everybody who believes. That includes you guys. If you believe and you come to Jesus, He will give you rest. And not only that, He will give you restorative, rejuvenating rest that will be good for your soul. And then you can go back out into the world and serve Him with all your heart. And then when you get dried up, you come right back. So, your action point for today, spend time with Jesus. (laughs) I don't know how to make it any more simple than that. Spend time with Jesus. Look, if you knew that running your car with no gas in it is not good for it, and it is not, Eventually, it's going to run out of gas, and then, boom, you're stuck. You would make sure that you fill up, right? Every day, we run out of gas. Every day. Every day, we run out of Jesus. Not because of him, but because of us. 
And we just need to constantly go back, constantly keep leaning on him, constantly going back and say, okay, Jesus, I tried, I failed, forgive me, cleanse me, empower me. Or, hey, Jesus, I had a great day. I saw lots of good things happen, but I know that's only because of you. Fill me up again. I'm ready to go out. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. One last thing I will say before we uh, close the sermon. This is the life that I've lived over the past, I don't know how many years of ministry. This constant struggle. And years ago, um, maybe about five years ago, a pastor friend of mine said, hey, I know you've been going through a lot. I want to pay your way to be able to take this, um, this test that tries to see what's going on with you. It's like psychiatric kind of test. And um, I did, he paid for it. I took the test. And then I had to call to talk to the person to find out what the results were. And <laughs> this is so hilarious now. The, the lady on the phone said, um, have you been experiencing a lot of stress recently? I said, well, yeah, yeah, a little. And she said, you know, I do not see these kinds of results on this kind of test, except for people who are totally burned out. And I sat there and I thought, I'm not burned out. I mean, I'm, I'm still kicking, I'm still doing stuff. I'm not burned out. And she went through every line and I was like, Oh my, I am burned out. And the burnout is not because of you. I want you to hear that. The burnout is not because of the church. The burnout is because of me. Because I sometimes put service over Jesus. So again, if you want to pray for me, pray that I will not put service for Jesus, in Jesus' name, above Jesus. And I'll pray the same for you. And then we'll see amazing because it won't be Stuart doing the ministry. It won't be Westminster doing the ministry. It'll be Jesus doing the ministry through us. Doesn't that sound exciting? Don't you want that? That's why we spend time with the one who gave his all for us. So don't get distracted. Let's resist what distracts us, whatever it may be. Let's resist what distracts us from Jesus and let's find rest and refreshment spending time with Him. Let me pray for us that we'll do that. Jesus, we are distracted about many things. We're worried and anxious about many things. 
Our mind is often just going, going, going. Some of us can't sleep at night. Some of us are just worried all the time. Some of us try to talk it out, and even that doesn't help. Lord, we need you. We're weary people living in a wearisome world. And you have given us everything. Life, forgiveness, power, the promise of an age to come. You've given us everything. And we still try to grapple on our own. Forgive us. And whatever it is that's distracting us, help us to turn our eyes back to you to fix our eyes on you and to trust you that you will give us rest, to trust you that you will bear fruit in us, to trust you that the one thing that is absolutely necessary is time with you. Everything else is secondary. Help us to trust you in that by your spirit, for your glory. We pray this, Jesus. Amen.